Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. This morning, that as we go into your word, uh, this word that I believe that you've given me to position us uh, for this coming season, I just pray that you would speak clearly. I pray that it would be concise, that I wouldn't add to it, that I wouldn't take away from it, that um, I would be able to get out of the way, and even though you're using me, people would hear your voice instead of my voice. And I pray that you'd speak directly into each and every one of our situations and what we have been facing, are facing now, will be facing in the future. I just pray that you would challenge us this morning with your word, that your word would do what you said it would do. It would be like a sword, a scalpel that goes deep into our spirit and dissects us and positions us to become more like you. I pray that you would accomplish that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Okay, so I'm not going to try to preach, but I'm probably going to end up doing it anyway, all right? This is supposed to be a devotion. Uh, we, we used to joke with my dad and say, what's the difference between a devotion and a sermon? And with my dad, I'd said nothing, but uh, the, I'd give him a hard time. It's supposed to be 15 minutes. It's supposed to be the difference, but I don't know even if we're going to make that, so uh, we'll see. Uh, crowded, pressed, uh, overwhelmed, panicked, pressured, distracted, pursued, sleepless, scared, and shattered. Do you know what that is? That's a description of Walmart on Christmas Eve, right? No, that is a description. Uh, it, it, the, the truth is, is that is the description of the consistent uh, condition of one person's life in Scripture. Uh, if, if you start the, the story out, and I'm just going to mention two portions of his life that's the, that those uh, words seem to describe they're the most on display. But if you begin at the beginning of his life and follow it all the way to the end of his life, it seems like that consistently you can say that that describes his life. His life seemed to be crowded. His life seemed to be pressed. His life seemed to be dealing with overwhelming circumstances. There was a lot of panic involved. He was consistently pressured. There was a lot of distraction. He was, he was pursued. There were sleepless nights. There were scared days. And he was shattered most of the time. I'm talking about David. Uh, two, two instances in his life when this seems to be most on display. Early in his life, when, and most of you know the account, so I'm not going to read it to you. You can go read it for yourself. But as a very young man, Samuel stops by and anoints David probably at the age of 12 to 14 years old and says, you're going to be the next king. How many of you know that's pretty heavy to lay on a 12 to 14 year old? Uh, the fact, here's some of the things that were going on in his early life that I believe would cause him to feel like I just described. His, his own family overlooks him. Samuel shows up to anoint somebody as king. They don't even call David to the anointing party. They leave him out in the field with the sheep because they're overlooking him. His, his brothers, once he is anointed to be king, his brothers misunderstand him. And he, I, I get it. I understand when your little brother at 12 to 14 is anointed to be king and he's really just a shepherd in your family and you're one of the soldier brothers uh, and you've proven yourself, it would be tough to understand. So they misunderstood him. The, the, the current king mistrusts him. 
thinks he's, he gets all paranoid and thinks David's trying to overthrow him. And he begins to pursue him. And he's chasing David. And David hasn't done anything wrong. Okay, so that's what's going on. He, he's living in caves. He's hiding like an animal. He's a, a, he's a national hero turned fugitive. That's his early life. The words that I use describe the early stages of David's life. But then all of a sudden, David actually becomes king. And we would think, well, now that David is now the king, he's gone from fugitive, now he's, he's the king. So everything ought to change. Everything ought to be different. It shouldn't be like that anymore, right? Except the scene replays itself. Because now, even though David is surrounded by soldiers that follow his directions, and even though David is surrounded by palaces and servants, he's also dealing with dysfunction in his command. His, his own, his own uh, officers won't do what they're supposed to do. Go read it. He's also dealing with dysfunction in his family. I mean, he's got one, one of his sons dies. He's got another one, uh, one of his sons that wants him dead and tries to overthrow him. He's got issues with his wife. Okay, it's going right up in here. All right. Uh, so in both cases, it didn't matter in, his, in the early stages of his life or when he becomes king, whether he was a shepherd boy or he was a ruling monarch, he faces these feelings that I've described, these situations. And I want to draw, I want to draw your attention to that because I'm going to read one, one verse of Scripture to you this morning. Um, and most scholars believe that the scripture that I'm going to read to you was written by David in the early stages of, of his life when he was running from Saul. But let, let me just clarify why I want to read it, and I've, I've mentioned the latter stages of his life too, because I don't think the when of what he says is nearly as important as the what of what he says. You got, you got that? I know that's a mouthful. I had to write it several times to get it right. Uh, the when of what he says really doesn't matter to me as much as the what of what he says. Because I think it's important to see that, that uh, whether he was in lack or he was in luxury, I think he still comes to the same conclusion. I think whether he was an accused convict or he was a conquering king, I think he still came to this conclusion. Whether he was a singer or whether he was a soldier, because he was both at various stages in his life, I think he still came to this conclusion. Whether he was a fugitive or whether he was a father, I think he still has the same conclusion. And he comes to this conclusion in Psalm chapter 27, verse 4. Listen very carefully to what David says. And let's just keep in mind the condition and the circumstances of his entire, what seemed to be his entire life. And he says this, I'm asking God... For one thing, only one thing, to live with him in his house my whole life long, I'll contemplate his beauty, I'll study at his feet. So he says, I, I'm only asking for one thing. So I want you to think about that statement for just one moment. Think about the fact that David says, I'm only going to ask God for one thing. So if he made this statement while he was running for his life from Saul, think about all the things that he could have asked for. I, I'm going to ask, if, if, if I'm running from the king and I've done nothing wrong and I'm, I've had to leave my family and I'm hiding in caves and, and I'm living like an animal, then there's some things I could probably, a whole bunch of things I could ask for. I could ask for revenge. I could ask for justice. I could ask for strength. I could ask for safety. I could ask for help. I could ask for peace. 
I think there's a lot of things he could have asked for if he's on the run from Saul. So now let's go to his latter life. His, now that he's king and he's got his sons dying and his sons trying to overthrow him and he's got his officers that are not doing what he's asking them to do and there's dysfunction all the way around, I think there's a lot of things he could ask for there too. He could have said, hey, the one thing I want to ask for is I want to ask for my family. Deal with my family. My family's all jacked up. Please, God. I think he could have asked for healing for his son. I think one of the things he could have asked for was give me wisdom. I think he could have, again, asked for peace. There were a lot of different things that David could have asked for at either stage in his life. And so this morning, what I want to point out is not what he requested, but I want to point out to you the scope of his request. In all of the various stages of David's life where he's dealing with panic and pain and confusion and distraction and pressure, David has this moment where he's able to narrow down his request to one thing. One thing only. David somehow comes to this place in light of everything that he so desperately needed God to do. He was able to almost like laser-like focus and say, I just need this one thing from you, God. By the way, the description that I started with, pressured and scared and shattered and confused doesn't just describe David's condition. It often describes our condition. So some of you are coming out of 2018 and maybe uh, you, you've, your, your um, condition right now as we approach the end, like Drew talked about, is that in some various ways, your life is a lot like David's early life. 2018 for some of you has been brutal. Things didn't go like you planned. When we sat down in here in 2017 and you wrote out all your list of all the things that you, you wanted to accomplish and achieve and what your life was going to look like, and they, at the end of 2018, some of you sitting here right now can testify to the fact that 2018 was brutal and it didn't turn out like you thought it was going to turn out and nothing went like you thought it was going to plan and the provision seems to be scarce and favor seems to be fleeting and healing just seems to be some distant hope out there somewhere and that's how you're ending your year and you feel like the early stages of David's life. But some of you are ending 2018 and you feel like maybe you're at the more... Uh, more along the lines of what happened with David's latter life because you've been promoted this year. You were a shepherd and now you're a king and things have gone right and there are provisions that have been made and there have been promotions that have come your way and, 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 and all of these things. But there's still a lot of things that you could request. See, I've discovered something. I've discovered that whether you're on the mountain or in the valley, the truth is, is that when we begin to think about all the things that we need from God, for most of us, if we got a pen and a pencil or a pen, pen and a piece of paper out and begin to write a list of all the things that we are asking God for, requesting from God, we could fill multi-volume sets. If I need this, and I need that, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and God, I would really like it if you would do this, and I need... But this morning, what I want to challenge you to do is to take a page out of David's book. 
in all the madness of your life and in all the things that we could request, here are a few of the things that we could request going into 2019. Resources and raises and promotions and healings and breakthroughs and joy and peace and revival and miracles and all the things that we could ask for I want to challenge you this morning to do something different. I want to challenge you to drill down to one thing. One thing. So let me say it like this, and I want to, I want to go to my notes very carefully because I wrote it down specifically like this. I want to make sure I, I say it just like this. If you could only ask God for one thing, what would it be? If you knew that in 2019 that God was only going to give you one request, if you knew that you would only see one promise, one miracle, receive only one answer, then what would you ask God for? What would be the one thing? If at the end of 2019, God only gives you one thing, then what is that one thing that would cause you to sit back in thankfulness knowing that God has done enough? Because I've, I've come to this understanding, we ask Him for so many things, and when He gives them to us, we ask Him for more. As if what He has already done isn't enough. So what is the one single thing that if He did it for you in 2019, you would sit back and go, God, that was enough. If you don't do anything else in my life, if you answer no other prayers, if you produce no other miracles, if you do nothing else in my life all year long, that one thing was enough to cause me to be incredibly thankful. What's the one thing? Let me ask it like this. If you got this one thing, what is the one thing, if you got it, would cause everything else you face this coming year to be tolerable? That was a mouthful. Think about what I just said. What is the one thing that if you ask God for and he gives it to you, would cause you to face everything that you may face in 2019. Any pain, any distraction, any blessing, anything else in your life. But if you got this one thing, it would make everything else tolerable. We ask for so many things. But we fail to make the one thing known. I want to challenge you this morning. I want you to come to grips with your one thing. Look, I've been thinking about this service for weeks. Our tendency is when I say that, we can come up with the one thing that quick. I need money. And that would be our one thing. The dilemma is, is that often our first thought is not the real thought. It's just part of the, it's just symptoms of the real issue. Because for some of us, if, it, if we wrote money down, God would bless us with money. And we, at the end of the year, in, at the end of 2019, we would find ourselves in the same condition that we began the year is because we don't know how to handle the money that he gives us. Some of you go, well, I just need peace. You write peace down without ever even thinking about it, really. And it's, 
the truth is, is that he could bring peace into your life. But because we like drama so much, we would create chaos to override the peace that he gave us. That's not the one thing we needed. The one thing we needed was help with dealing with our drama. You see what I'm saying? We've got to get really honest and do the hard work. This is hard work. I've been thinking about mine for weeks. I'm only going to give you about 20 minutes. To get beyond all the fluff and the, the, the frill of, if I ask for this, I'll be happy. If I ask for this, I'll be happy. And I want you to drill down to one thing. Come to the place David did and said, God, I'm only going to ask for this one thing. Because I recognize if you do this one thing, everything else in my life would be okay. This is what we're going to do. Our worship team is going to come back and we're going to sing several songs. But for at least a portion of this time, I just want you to let them sing. And what I want you to do is to talk to God. Some of you will probably need to move from where you're sitting. You may need to find a place at the altar. You may need to kneel at your chair. You may need to lay in the floor. I don't know. I just I just know that as they sing, I don't even want you to get caught up so much in listening to them. I really want you to listen to the Father, and I want you to have a conversation with yourself and with God and, and narrow it down to one thing, to one thing, one thing. No other request, one thing. And then this is what I want you to do. When, when you have, and it doesn't matter, matter if it takes, maybe you already know. It may take you 10 minutes. But whenever you come to grips with what the one thing is, I want you to come to the front and take one of these cards off the little round tables or one on each side. I want you to take them back to your chair, grab a pen, and there's a blank. And I want you to write. Your name is not going on this, so nobody's going to know it was you. And I want you to write one thing. Some of you are going to try to write a page. No. One thing. Well, I got a paragraph. No. One thing. In fact, I want to challenge you to bring it down to one word. If you can, bring it down to one word, because I know how some of y'all are. One thing. Then this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Once you get that filled out, I want you to put this in your Bible or in your purse. Or if you're a man, your purse, that's a man purse, uh, your wallet, whatever. I just want you to hold on to it. Then I want you to take it home, and I want you to put it somewhere where you'll see it every day, in your car, maybe on your dash, your refrigerator, wherever you go, the most office, most, most office, I want you to set it right there where you'll see it every day. And I want you to go back to God every day and say, that's the one thing, God. This is what I've been asking for. This, this is what I need. Okay, here's the other part of this. When God gives you the one thing, because in his word he says he'll give us the desires of our heart. And I think he gives us stuff and we fail to realize it because we've moved on to asking for other stuff. Well, didn't even need to start preaching. I started preaching right there. When God steps into your situation and gives you the one thing, this is what I want you to do with this card. I want you to get it and bring it back to church. 
And then right in the middle of praise and worship on any given Sunday, I just want you to bring it up or when he's done the one thing. Just walk. We won't think you're, well, we will, but it won't matter. We won't think it very long. You'll, like everybody, like, why, is there, why are they going to the front? Are they rushing the stage? What's going on? They're, 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 we're paranoid. We're not that paranoid, all right? So you're sitting here worshiping, and Friday, God gave you the one thing that he, you asked him for. All, it could be in January. could be in, on December the 30th next year. doesn't matter. Whenever God gave you the one thing, on that Sunday, the, the next Sunday after he's given to you, I want you to bring it. And I just want you to walk up here and just do this. And turn around and walk back to your seat and go back to worship. You say, why? Because then it serves as a testimony to the rest of us that are still holding on for the one thing that God comes through. We forget that all year long. Some of you, we know your request occasionally, not all the time because we, we're in and out and we're moving and we don't even know what you're going through, some of you. And, and sometimes we don't even take the time, probably at a, to our own demise, we don't even take enough time to rehearse and replay for one another what God has done because we like our privacy and we don't want to put it all on Facebook and everything. And so we don't even share what's going on. But this is a simple way for us to testify to one another and remind one another, hey, you've been hanging on for eight months, but at seven months and 29 days, God came through for me. And I know you've been hanging hanging on, but hang on just a little longer and ask one more time because God's going to come through and he's going to produce the one thing. And I drop my one thing on as an offering of worship and praise that's supposed to encourage you that it may seem impossible. And days and months may be passing by and you think God's forgotten all about you. And you think God's answering everybody else, or maybe maybe God's busy with everybody else. And when one invites somebody on your row stands up and brings their card and drops, it's going to remind you that the one thing you ask for is still the center of His attention, and He's coming for you. So again, this morning I ask you, what is your one? they sing, would you please narrow it down and focus and then come get a card.
if everything is okay with you. Father, we could ask you for an entire list of things. The truth is, Father, that if we examine our own life, there are many things that we not only desire, but that we could probably honestly say that we need. But this morning, I pray that what we have done together would be effective. I pray that right now our needs would be boiled down, focused into one thing. Father, you see the one thing in our life that we're asking you to do this year. Father, I'm asking you right now for the one thing on each person's 
card. This is, this is make or break. This is life and death. This is, it is well with my soul or oh no, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is, this is the last thing, the, the, the one thing, the, the most important thing. And your word declares that you will give us the desires of our heart. But this morning, I'm asking you to give us the desire of our heart. And I pray that as we focus on this one thing in the coming days, I pray that we would not be distracted. We would not be deterred. We would, we would be laser-like focused. We would come back to it over and over and over again. Like the persistent widow in the scripture that kept knocking on the judge's door over and over again. Give me justice. Give me justice until finally he got out of bed and gave her justice just to get her off his case. God, that's how we're going to treat this thing with you. We're going to come back time and time again. It's not because we don't have any trust in you. It's not because we think you're forgetful. It's because we recognize the condition of our own heart as we get distracted to other things that don't really matter. And so we're going to bring this one request time and time again morning after morning night after night but involved in that is this I pray that you would allow us that you would open our eyes so that we are aware enough to recognize when you've given us the one thing we've asked for because, Father, I know my own heart, my own life, and there's a lot of times I ask you for something and you do it, and I don't even recognize it or realize it until months or possibly even years later. And then I look back and go, well, he did what I asked for him to do, and I never said thank you. I never stopped and said you were faithful. I never stopped and gave you the glory and the honor that you deserve simply because I've moved on to other stuff. This year, I pray that as we narrow this thing down to one thing, that we would be very keenly aware we would be on alert we would be watching for this one thing to come to pass in our life and when that thing is accomplished when that thing is done father i pray that we would be faithful to to give you glory and to be thankful and we would drop our card here and it would be a testimony to those that are still hanging on holding on i pray that you would do this and i believe that you will so now would you take your card and hold it up? You can do like I'm going to do and cover up your one thing so that nobody knows it but you and God. So Father, I pray right now as we lift this one thing to you. For many of us, this is the dearest thing to our heart. It's the most honest we've been in a long time. It's the most transparent we've been in ages. I pray that as we've had enough guts to actually write it down in black and white, that you would help us now to lay this at your feet. Your word says that we can bring and make our petitions known. We can come to your throne. And we can lay this thing down and we can ask you to accomplish this. And so, Father, I pray right now that faith would arise in each and every one of us holding a card.
and we would come back if we've we've strayed away from this belief we would come back to it if we if we're struggling with this belief you would strengthen us we would come back to this place where we believe you can actually do what we ask you to do even when it seems impossible and so we bring this one thing to you and we lay it at your feet and we surrender it to you in full confidence that you care enough about us to come through. And now, Father, I've moved beyond my own card and I pray for the people around me that have their cards because just as necessary as the thing I'm praying for is to me, I recognize that the thing that they're holding up is necessary for them. And so, Father, I pray for my brother or my sister on either side of me or in front of me or behind me. God, I pray that you would give them the strength and the courage and the faith to hang on, to hold on, to believe that you can do what you said you can do. I pray that they would not have to wait. I pray that they would not have to struggle. I pray that they would not be overcome with unbelief. I pray that they wouldn't become weary in the wait. I pray that they would have strength to hang on. And, Father, I pray that you would make that one thing that they're asking for come to pass in their life because I'm concerned about them so I ask you to do that in Jesus name in Jesus name come on look at your card this is the one thing this is the thing that you're asking for this year Stay persistent. Don't give up. Believe God. And then bring that card back as a testimony to testify to those of us that haven't seen him do the one thing yet. And together, I believe what's going to happen is by the end of 2019, almost, if not all, cards are going to be returned. At some point on a Sunday, somebody's going to drop a card, and we're going to see God come through for us. Come on, tell your neighbor right now. He can, he can give you your one thing. Come on, tell him. Testify to him. He can give you the, your, your one thing. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.